hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast, soundcaster, Mark... Hello, Succotashians, wherever you may be. Can you believe we are into the last week of October 2021 at this point? Before I get too far ahead of myself, I'm Mark Hershon, as indicated by our announcer, Bill Haywatt, and I am your host for this week's show, Epi 276. And I have got a humdinger of a show for you, as defined by the quartet of clips I have harvested. Before I reveal the lineup for this episode, did you miss our last episode, number 275, moderated by your every other weekly host, Tyson Saner? It was a fun one, to be sure, and featured clips from Dragon Talk, Cinemassacre Podcast, and Metaphysical Milkshake with Rain and Reza. This week's installment has some overt team-ups, like Mike and Tom Eat Snacks and O'Brien and Bolt's. And then there's subtler team-ups, as with the two hosts of the Projection Booth and the Dana Gould Hour, where the host brings in a few pals to riff with him about horror movies. And this being Halloween week, we are sponsored once again by Henderson's Pants' Deathly Hallowear. Protect your delicate treats from the ravages of Halloween miscreants with Deathly Hallowear. I say let's get moving right along and get to the clips. First up is a warm welcome for the return of what was one of my favorite soundcast backaways, Mike and Tom Eat Snacks. The hosts, Michael Ian Black and Tom Cavanaugh, hit episode 100 about four years ago and then promptly went on hiatus and I thought forever. Uh, they hung up their snack shoes, or who knows what, but the important thing is that they're back, armed with a little more than their wits and their purr system, P-E-R, pick a snack, Eat a snack, rate a snack. These wise cracking jack and apes surround the most mundane of tasks, eating junk food, with a kind of very funny patter that you can only get from a couple of close friends who also happen to be pretty damn funny. Michael was part of the state, wet hot American summer, and tons of other stuff. And Tom, also a uh, longtime performer and uh, not really a comedian, but a very funny guy, currently known for playing the many incarnations of Harrison Wells and the reverse Flash on the CW's The Flash. This clip is from their recent noshing on Walker's Shortbread. Well, I mean, we were talking about doing Walker's forever. I don't know. I, it's for some reason it never seems to happen. Well, it's finally happening today, kids. God, yeah, are we excited. I'm excited about it. So Walker's, okay, where to start? First off, Walker's in the tartan box, folks. Yep. Uh, because it's, and it says it right on the label, product, product of, Scotland. of Scotland. Scotland. It's on a your bike, Jim. On your bike if you've not been to Scotland. Right, Jim? On your go, you wee jammy dodger. Look at you with your walkers, pure butter shortbread. That's great stuff. Now, magic. I got to tell you. So pure butter. I hear pure butter. I'm like, ah, man, I don't care what it is. Lobster, shortbread, mm -hmm. steak mashed i don't you tell me pure butter i go yeah sure man popcorn that, whatever it is you got pure whatever butter. it is you throw on the pure butter i'm there man pure butter pure, carrots pure game i don't pure. care what it is you throw pure butter in you've gotten it you got me hooked 
you want to go to the premiere of a uh, hundred days in Ayers Rock Strait in the arid humidity of the the mid Australian outback, and I'm like, nope, nope. I sure don't, because I don't like, I don't want to burn. It's pure butter documentary. We'll be there. I'm in. I'm in. You don't have to ask me twice. You tell me pure butter, I'm in. You well, know, pure, pure butter is the best kind of butter. You know why? It's pure. It's, it's not impure, right? So, so we've got that. It's a product of Scotland. We've got the tartan. We've got the we got the the shortbreads there on the front of the box, sitting on the tartan, like somebody like, do you know what I might do? I might save these three for later, and I'll just put them on my kilt. I wrap them in my kilt. I'll just put them right here on my wee kilt. And so I can have them when I want them later. So I'll tell you what I'm never doing with my shortbread. I'm never wrapping it in tartan fabric. That's the last thing I'm doing with it. I'll put it in a little baggie. Sure. I might wrap it in some wax paper. I yeah. might I might put a rubber band around it, you know, and just stick it in my pocket. But I'm sure. never putting it around. I'm, not, I'm never mixing it with wool, you know? Right. That's <laughs> the last thing I want to do. Because of the fabric and, and the fiber. It's just not good. How about cheesecloth? Sure, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Wax paper. No problem. Saran yeah. wrap, Saran aluminum foil, sure. a little Tupperware container, any maybe, of those. Maybe even, uh, you know, like a, a, a roll of uh, paper towel. Not a problem. You you want to talk about fabrics to wrap your, your biscuits in? Cotton, sure. Silk, absolutely. Polyester, no problem. Wool, you can, it's, so. it's two fibers. You're going to get little fibers in your shortbread. You don't want that. Little microfilament sticking in the holes of the Walker shortbread, pure butter, cookies. You don't want that. That's the no. last thing you want. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to be eat, taking a bite of your shortbread and then having to pluck wool fibers off your tongue. I, I hope there's somebody in the PR department over there at Walker's going, no, you've not thought of that. You know, it was, a great, it was a grand idea at first to have them on the kilt. Uh, look, these, these lads, these wee lads make a good point. They make a great point. Don't put it on your kilt. Nah, you wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Here's what's great. And and you're going to love this. So Scotland, so it's Scotland-based, as we know, uh, established 1898. Mm -hmm. So that's that's great because by my count, that's over a hundo, right? Mm -hmm. They've been making these walkers. And so they probably probably missed the boat. They're probably like, well, it's great. We haven't really thought about the tartan and the cult. We've no thought about that. They probably haven't thought about it for a while because it just looked like that for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So the new guy in there is going like, right? Well, we sell well, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change a thing, you know. Um, but the thing that I, I mentioned earlier, magic, that just pleased me to no end. There's a crest on the right hand side of the box, and mm-hmm. all the Walker's uh, products have this. <laughs> and it's there's a crest, and it's stamped. You see what I'm yep. getting at? Yeah. Do, do you want to go ahead and read this? By appointment to Her Majesty the Queen, shortbread and oat cake manufacturer, Walker's Shortbread Limited Arborlore. So what that tells me is the Queen's there and she's like, oh dear, I've not had a shortbread for a long time. Or an oat cake. Or an oat cake. And I need to know that when I want shortbread, Walkers. Or an oat cake. Or an oat cake. Right. When I want that, I need to know, we need to appoint someone 
to be in charge of shortbreads and oat cakes. Who can we do that? Is there any shortbread manufacturer near the castle? No, no, madam, there isn't. No, mum. <laughs> no, mum, there's no, no shortbread. I'm afraid there isn't, mum. If you're not yet hip to Mike and Tom Eat Snacks, get to it. Now with eight times more commercials than they used to have, but maybe I'm just jealous about that. Two of the funniest guys I know are likely a pair of improv comics you may have never heard of outside of the San Francisco Bay Area. Michael O'Brien and Jeff Bolt have been, they've forgotten more improv than I will ever know, and I've been doing it for 35 years. There's a long history of improv groups in San Francisco, of course, including the National Theater of the Deranged, Spaghetti Jam, Improv Incorporated, Papaya Juice, and so many more. And these guys have either been in or has have jammed with all of them. They've started laying down some of their characters through improvised scenes as soundcast episodes in O'Brien and Bolt, the podcasts. So I want to turn you on to them so you could track down their show. This clip introduces us to third base coach Stumpy Wilson and some of his inside baseball wisdom. We're real excited up here at North uh, Palomino High School because you know what? You know what, Michael? What's that? Uh, we scored three runs this season. You three? How, uh, three runs the entire season? Well, yeah, but you remember last season we didn't. We didn't get. We got one guy on base. Remember because he got uh, hit hit in the head. Uh huh. And so he, you, when you, when that happened, you get to go to first base free. Right. Yeah. You don't have to hit the ball at all after the brawl uh, subsides. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No. Well. Yeah. Well. There. There. There was no brawl. But we. We have a, a a real good player that we got late in the season, transferred from uh, from down your way, and uh, and she uh, is mean and she is big and she can hit the ball. What? And she knows how to run, and she knows which direction to run into. Even more important. Well, that's uh, that's very promising. Yeah. So, Stump, for those who uh, don't know, now you you coach the Palomino. I am the third base coach. Third base uh -huh. coach. Mm -hmm. That's right of the North Palomino High School Panthers. I did get laid off during COVID. Well, sure. I, I'm sorry but, that happens. But we're all back, and of course, we don't we don't make any money doing it. You know, we do it because we love the game. Well, of course, that's the best. Yeah, you're not doing it for the money. I can't imagine that you would be. Uh, it's it. it's the national past time, not the national past tense. I'm well, thinking about having a T-shirt made. I think you should. Yeah, maybe not. Don't, won't, fit, maybe, won't won't fit on a hat. Maybe, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Maybe no, don't have a lot of them made, but I yeah, have a couple made. I think might be a good idea. So you've gotten three runs this season, and uh, that's mm -hmm. and your, she did she did all of them. And that was the best you've ever done. I, I, she scored all three runs, and I'm not going to mention Cindy's name because she said what do not she doesn't need the publicity right for all kinds of reasons and stuff. You know, she transferred here not. Of her own accord, really, but yeah. it was mandated. Anyway, she said, uh, now, did, I didn't, I, so I, that's why I'm not going to mention her name. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. So, because she, she, she said, don't mention my name. Mm -hmm. So now is it based? Yeah, and her parents said the same thing. Okay. Well, we won't, they don't, need, they don't need that. We'll, that, that's all behind them we'll, and they we'll, don't need people. We won't mention Cindy's Trying names. to figure out where they moved to and all that. Got it. Now, what... North uh, Palomino. Right. What? Uh, so, um, I take it that the season then is over for you, or... or she was adamant about it, too. She said, if you mention my name, mm -hmm. 
I'm going to come looking for you. Okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, I, but that's why I'm not. not I'm ne- I am not going to. And you can, even if I did, you could edit it out and all that. Uh, right. Go ahead. Now, your season, so your season is over. What are you going to do during the off season to, to prepare for uh, next season? For, well, you know. Provided that you are still going to be coaching then. Well, we're, no, I'm going to practice. I, just like the players do, I practice. You're right. Uh, you know, you got to you got to stay in shape. Sure. Got to get. You don't want to forget because once you forget how to ride a bike, you can't get on it and just go. I'm riding up the hill, right? Because you, you'll fall off. So what I do is I got I get up there. Me and my wife, who's very handy by the way, she's she's and quite a crafts person. Uh-huh. She could make these t-shirts we were talking about earlier if she wanted to. We talked. I think one one time I was on your show. We talked about the oven mitts. Oh yeah, North Alabama High School s- oven selling mitts. those to uh, She had a card table. Mm-hmm. She had a car table, yeah. and she sold, I don't know, but at least almost enough to pay for, uh, you know, all the materials and time and everything. Sure. But uh, the point is, practice makes perfect, okay. and that's what we're all about. So she will help me coach during the off season, and she'll just come running. We go out to the ball field. She'll come running around second, and I'll be jumping up and down on third base. Wait, come on, come on. You know, there's nobody there or anything, but she'll come in, and I'll say, down, slide, or stand. You can stand up, or mm-hmm. or sometimes you know, and she'll she'll hang out on third base with me, and we'll talk a little bit about the kids and stuff. And oh, come. that's that's pretty. We're, we don't we don't we don't get to see them all that often anymore because right. they're grown up and long gone. Yeah, <laughs> their episodes are all pretty short and funny, and you can catch all forty five plus installments of O'Brien and Bolt the podcast at their home site up on Podbean. They're also on Apple Podcasts and, well, pretty much everywhere else you find soundcasts. We will be back right after this word. Ghosts and goblins, Frodo and Spider-Man, and lots and lots of slutty nurses all wandering the streets can only mean one thing. No, not Fleet Week. It's Halloween. This special time every year, Henderson's restocks the shelves and interwebs with our Deathly Halloween. More than just a pair of pants and yet not quite a full-blown costume, Henderson's Deathly Hallowear is meant to be worn under your disguise to make sure your Halloween stays safe, sane, and filled with treats. The wizards at Henderson's Tailoring Factory start with a thin yet comfy layer of 100% cotton lining. Stitched to that is a second layer, this one made from 70 mil thick military-grade Kevlar. Finally, your Deathly Hallower is coated with waterproof matte black acrylic, strong enough to keep you safe in the darkest night, whether it's hailing hail or bullets. Henderson's Deathly Hallower is also light enough to assure that you can keep tricking and treating until the cows come home. Moms and dads, Henderson's wants to remind you that not even our Deathly Hallower can guarantee complete protection from the low lives and scumbags that are waiting to prey on your precious children. It can't detect razor blades and apples or roofies and rollos. So when you steal your kids' candy while they sleep, be extra careful and take a good look at what you're biting into before it bites into you. Henderson's Deathly Hallowair was originally designed for Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and Michael Myers. Not the unstoppable killing machine from the Halloween movie franchise, but that unstoppable mugging machine from Wayne's World. That's Henderson's. Fine trousers and costumery since 1549. And now back to Suckatash. All right. Uh, Next up, when is an hour not an hour? Well, when it's the Dana Gould hour. (laughs) 
latest episode, House of Halloweenery, runs a good two and a half hours, and I'm not complaining. Dana is super funny, he's off kilter, and can get pretty dark. He did, after all, come up with the IFC show Stand Against Evil, which you can still see up on Hulu, and it is a good barometer of Dana's sense of humor. In the latest episode of his soundcast, The Dana Gould Hour, he starts out talking with Jeff Abraham and Burt Kearns, authors of The Show Won't Go On, stories about performers who literally died on stage. This clip, however, is from the back half of the show when he talks horror movies and more with friends of Succotash Matt Weinhold and Ken Daly, who I wish was a friend of the show. The Shining, when it comes to the topiary animals, okay? I don't know. You've watched a lot of Doctor Who, the yeah. more recent stuff, and the episode Blink mm -hmm. with the yeah. weeping angels. Weeping angels are scarier than anything in the Cuban Shining. Well, yes, but that's the way you could have done those animals yeah. is that every time you moving. turn around, right. they're yeah. closer, Don't show and yeah. that would have been scary. Yeah, well, that's I, that's the thing. I'm sorry, Ken, go I, I And I like both the book of The Shining and mm -hmm. the movie of The Shining, and they are two different things yes. yeah yeah and that but what you just said is the is the truth about like and it's how cgi ruined talk about john debont's yeah. the haunting versus Robert oh. Rice's the haunting is the best example of i'll believe the impossible but not the implausible no when the house frowns at you in that scene, you remember that? <laughs> You're like, shakes no, 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 no. This is yeah, just because you can, just because you can do everything now that you have this new software, you probably shouldn't. No. Yeah. Well, uh -huh. in the, in the Robert Wise version, it's just moving the light. So a shadow moves. Yeah. It's, it's and or, or like what they did in blink, which is like, did I see that move? Yeah. Did I, did I, cause that's what we did in, in stand against evil all the time was we were just like, Anything, it's fine if it happens off camera. If you're not sure if it's there or not, yeah. great. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's the creepiest thing about the end of the Blair Witch is like, what's that guy doing in the corner? Yeah. I, we, on our show, we've, there's so many times where we have to defend that movie. Uh, and I always tell the story about how I first saw it, which was you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, giving, lending this tape out. Yeah. You know, and that's the way to see that's that. That's the only way to see yeah, it. Yeah. To see it that's on a small too. screen. It's meant for a small screen. Yeah. I like that. you discovered this tape. And, and, and you weren't sure if it's a. I had the same what thing. What is this? Someone yeah. handed me, Al Higgins handed me a tape and said, watch this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about it. It's some and it sort didn't of thing start. It was the only tape that didn't start Ginger Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> I added that after. You need something to cleanse the palate. Now you I know. know why he's standing in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but I were I, when I saw that, it freaked me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole thing, yeah. and uh, and I and that's a film that I go back to quite often. And enjoy it just as much. And the more that you learn about how they did it and the marketing and everything. And then The Curse of the Blair Witch is actually a really nice companion piece to it's that. It's narrative though, right? Yeah. Well, it's done like a documentary about right. the Blair Witch. Okay. But um, but is done with the, care and- uh, Is that the newest one, Curse of the Blair Witch? No, no, no. This was, I believe it's called The Curse of the Blair Witch. It was- Put out in conjunction with oh. the film. And I think they did it for sci-fi uh -huh. where it was like a little special- Right. And um it, really great. But I mean I mean that film I every time I go back I'm 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 amazed at their the acting. People talk shit about oh, you know, they're not these No, it's great. No, they're, they're not they're, yeah, they're, they're not they great actors. Real. They seem like real people. It's, it, it's very much well, it's great. like the the stepson of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I agree. You know, yeah. it's that it's that Yes. This is a true story. Yeah. Right. Even though it's not. Yeah. Which and you by the way you can say it. 
You can just say there's no legal. Yeah. You can just say based on a true story. Yeah. You oh, can yeah. say that about Star Wars based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, it's based on a true story. Some people got together and they wrote a script. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, you can document this. Have you seen, is it Malignant? Yes. I have not. I, I'm the James Wan stuff. Conjuring. Uh, first of all, I will not put a dime into the Warrens' pocket mm-hmm. because, yeah, no. Uh, but uh, but I watched the trailer, and some now, of it looks spooky. The the real people. The real people. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I but, saw one of those movies, and I felt like okay. I was like, <laughs> this is like Alex Reed's old joke about. This is like Alex Reed's old joke about reggae. It's like you only need one album. <laughs> right, right. It's like it's yeah. like I felt that way. But like, okay, I got it. Well done. Although the Paranormal Activity movies, for some reason, that kept working for me. Uh-huh. And oh, I think the third oh, one, the, the the second one is, I think, the weakest. And I and I love it. Yeah. But the third one is great. And, and and maybe it's because I kind of enjoy the found footage thing. Sure. And and there's a, a creepiness that they can achieve if done well. That that works just perfectly, but I think they do it well. They do it well. Not, yes, not everybody, does. not everybody does it well. No, Dana Gould has a docu comedy of sorts coming out soon that he did with Bob Bobcat Goldthwait, capturing the two of them getting back out into clubs around the country. It's called Joyride and should be streaming by the end of well by the end of this week, I think. And if you haven't seen his Hanging with Doctor Z YouTube series, you have no idea what a treat you're missing. Enough said. Do check out the Dana Gould Hour, won't you? This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. I'm not sure the projection booth qualifies as a comedy soundcast per se, but host Mike White and Rob St. Mary do have some differences of opinion when it comes to reviewing films that can get a little testy and, frankly, a lot funny. This clip is from a recent episode when the guys put the new Dune movie up against the old Dune movie, directed by David Lynch back in 1984. It's not the most comprehensible movie, but guess what? My expectation at this point, if you're going to watch something like Dune, you should at least know what this is about. Because this movie is going to do everybody a disservice by assuming everyone knows nothing, because then you have to catch everybody up to the same point, and good fucking luck with this story because they don't talk about the butlerian jihad or the fact that these are earthlings in the far goddamn future of our humanity where we as humans have been you know had to fight the robots to survive it's they don't talk about any of that so then you're wondering like why does dr ua speak mandarin it's like well it makes sense if these are earthlings why is his name duncan idaho two things that are earth earthbound inspiration yeah why are the Fremen speaking Arabic? Why is that what they say? And yeah, it's just so strange. The first 90 minutes of this film, and I rewatched it again today. So I've watched it twice in two days. And the first 90 minutes, I was like, okay, I'm kind of with this movie. It's really, once they crash in the desert, it then it really just, to me, takes a turn. And it's like, they are out there in that desert for a long fucking time before they reach the safety of rock before they meet the fremen like they don't need to meet them immediately because the fremen live in the deep desert but it should be a little quicker and it just feels like there's a lot of stuff going on and then it's so strange to me that paul keeps having these dreams 
And it really doesn't seem to me that he's connecting it with the spice and that the spice changes him. And it's just strange. But anyway, he keeps having these dreams and Jamis is showing up like crazy in the dreams. And then when they finally meet Jamis, as is the story, he kills Jamis pretty much right away. And it's like, well, why was he in your dreams then? And why is he acting like he's going to be this like mentor figure, but in your dreams? I would assume it's in the set. I, look, I, I think the problem with this movie is it's boring, but I don't want to be like, it could be in the second movie because that feels like giving it too much credit because like, oh, Fade Rotha may be in the second movie or maybe he's just not in this at all. Have we contemplated that? Maybe they don't give a shit. Maybe the one character, one of the characters that most people know about from the last Dune just isn't in this movie, even though he's a big part of the book, even though he's literally the climax of what the next movie would be. He could have been the Kwisatz Haderach. I mean, he was being bred just like Paul was bred. But Paul, you know, to the point of Reverend Mother, she says, Jessica, you were supposed to only bear his daughters. But she doesn't say that in this movie. It isn't a point of contention that she gave birth to a son. And that's something that I thought was very important from that. I thought it was very important that he was learning Mentat ways from Thufur, that he was learning Benny Gesserit ways from his mother, that he gives in so easily to the Reverend Mother when she uses the voice on him and immediately kowtows to her. I'm like, no, no, he's supposed to resist that voice. You know, there needs to be that he has some power. We've seen him use the voice a little at the very beginning with the water glass, but come on. And I don't understand why Paul doesn't immediately go to his dad and say, hey, this guy out here watering all these date palms, get rid of this guy and get rid of those goddamn date palms. They're taking up a hundred people's water a day. Like that should be the first thing that the Atreides do when they come to this place. I agree. I don't think it's any surprise that one of the people who worked on the script for this film is John Spates. One of the things that he has worked on that I was not a huge fan of, and it always sticks out whenever I look at his filmography, Prometheus. You know, he did help write Doctor Strange, which is a fantastic Marvel movie. But I well, see <laughs> it's kind of like Iron Man, but with magic. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're on the fence about movies or just want to speak knowledgeably to your friends and coworkers about stuff that's out there on screen, check out the projection booth available pretty much everywhere fine soundcasts are found. I was late getting this episode up and out this week, my apologies, mostly because the power was out in Studio N, my nerd nook, because of the storms we had this past weekend in the Bay Area, so I couldn't harvest clips or get much of anything else done, so we will have to dispense with the tweet sack this time around, sorry Tweety, and there are no calls into the Succotash Soundcast and Runaway Truck Status Hotline anyway. Tyson Saner will be in this feed with your next uh, week's show, Epi 277. That's of Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, of course, and I'll be back the week after that. In the meantime, have yourself a great Halloween. Wear a mask. Well, wear a costume mask and a regular breathing mask. Get vaxxed, and if anyone asks if you've heard anything good lately, won't you please pass the Succotash? (laughs) 
You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com. On Spotify. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.